0: I am ever so excited that we're actually revisiting one of my favourite episodes this week. This week that we're dedicating to careers and to reflection and to really trying to figure out how we can actually raise our voices in order to achieve what we want to do with the professional lives that we want to create for ourselves. And this is an episode in which Leanne actually talked to us about that. She talked to us about imposter syndrome. Let's be real. When we get a new job, a lot of us get into our heads and start really doubting that we have the capability and ability to in fact do that job. And this episode is gonna really force you to reflect on whether you do that and how to get out of that kind of mess in your head. So I love Leanne because she gives us the language to be able to identify how we feel when we're going through imposter syndrome. So how we feel when we get into this automatic negative thoughts or ants, as she calls them, And then she asks us to translate those into pets, into positive, empowering thoughts. And what happens is you basically get into action and then you're able to achieve what you want to. It's a very, very powerful episode that is going to challenge you to identify if you are really creating self-limiting beliefs that are going to, prevent you from achieving and creating those strategies to really own your career as your business. So I definitely, definitely encourage you to listen, to pay attention, to get a pen and paper out so you can take as many notes as you can and then start putting things into action afterwards. Enjoy.
1: Madhadi, I never felt like I was one of those people that dealt with imposter syndrome until I left my last job. And I realized that for four years, even though I was succeeding, I always thought that someone was going to figure out that I didn't know what I was doing. For four years, I felt like that. And I didn't know it in the moment.
2: I still feel the imposter syndrome. There was a time in my past life where I would be bringing up suggestions, talking about things that needed to be done in the workplace, and the leadership was not taking it seriously. And I started feeling like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm talking about. And it wasn't until I was part of another meeting and somebody else brought up the same idea and they were like, that it's great. That made me think like, wait, I am smart. I know what I'm talking about. And all this time I've been stressing and not knowing. And that's the reason why I asked that, because a lot of the times we feel that we don't know what we're talking about because somebody else made us feel that way. And we don't have enough confidence in ourselves to know like, no, I know what I'm talking about. And you're just not ready to listen to that.
1: It's like we have these literally impossible standards that we're trying to meet, either set by ourselves or others.
2: Why do we think that? I, that That's the great part. It's like we work so hard. We have the education. We have the experience. But yet, we let either other people, society, or even ourselves make us believe that we don't know.
1: And it's almost embarrassing for me to share because I know I'm confident and I know I have gifts. But it's like those little doubts in my head sometimes have megaphones and they're just so loud. And I don't want anyone to know. (laughs) I don't want anyone to know that I have those moments.
2: Maybe that is what people need to hear is that people like you and me who are successful, that we continue to have those doubts. And it's important to recognize that they're there but how do we keep moving forward? Because I don't think they're gonna go away. I mean, they've been in my life for a very long time and they're not trying to break up with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we have to break up with them. That's the hard part.
2: <laughs> no, I already told you, you and I are not together anymore, but it, they keep coming back, <laughs> this <There's> limiting beliefs. <laughs>
1: Today's guest, we learned a lot from Leanne Robers. Hi everyone, I am Leanne. She has a background in psychology and technology.
3: I'm the co-founder of She Loves Tech and I've been in technology for over a decade now and have co-founded four companies. I am also a psychologist. And in fact, I come from a whole family of psychologists.
1: And she taught us something really interesting about imposter syndrome imposter syndrome really is something
3: that affects so many women going back to studies it was looking at job descriptions and let's say if you have job description with 10 points women look at this and if they can take eight of those items but they can't do or they have not done before the last two well they say oh well
1: I don't think I can do this. I'm not qualified to do this. They freeze up essentially. But when men deal with it, it actually drives them to
3: step into those opportunities even more. They look at six, and if they can do six out of 10 in that list, they say, oh, this job is for me.
1: I got this. It fuels them to move forward. Men push through women freeze.
2: I've done a lot of things where, and we talked about this before, where we do it afraid, but that takes so much courage (laughs) that there are times where you spend so much time thinking it over that I feel maybe I may have missed some opportunities through the process of thinking and getting the courage to do it afraid. Because when you do it afraid, doesn't mean you just jump right to it.
1: It's a process of getting there.
2: Yes, it's a process.
1: And for those who who don't
3: know what imposter syndrome is, it's really feeling like a fraud, feeling like you are not good enough. And they look at that and they don't feel good enough. So they end up stepping away from those opportunities. Just like the job description, they say, "Well, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to apply."
1: Women play a crucial role in other women's success. Because if you think about how women stop or shrink back, it takes another woman to bring them out and to help them succeed. What has been happening in technology, especially with women in tech, is they're not getting showcased. So She Loves Tech created an entire company to help bring women up. At that time, there were a lot of different pitch competitions,
3: but none of them were organized by women. And also, none of them had that many women on stage. Out of probably 20 men, there would be one or two women on stage. We were told constantly that women did not like technology and they didn't build good technology businesses. And actually, from our own circles, we found that to be extremely untrue. There were amazing women building amazing technologies, um, but they were really not getting showcased. They were not getting the kind of limelight that their male counterparts were getting. And so we started She Loves Tech to really change that equation To really empower women technologists, women tech founders, and people building technologies that empower women. And since then, it really has just grown
1: way beyond us. And now it's the largest startup competition and accelerator program. It's in 30 countries. It's on six continents.
3: Minus Antarctica. Until Lady Penguins learn how to build businesses, then we'll end up being in all seven continents
2: kind of what we're trying to do here, right? With Color Forward, we want to showcase the amazing women talent that's out there and people like Leanne who are impacting other women. So I love that about her because she's taking her platform to elevate women in tech.
1: I think her role in Literally, the world of technology is so important because she really understands people and emotions and how to address our whole selves versus just what she calls our cognitive selves.
3: Sometimes we see this as a dichotomy. We think of it as one or the other, but actually the way I see it is actually a very integrated whole. Our brain has two separate sides of it. It has the cognitive side, so the prefrontal cortex, and it also has the emotional side, the limbic area. And when we integrate these two holes together, then we're able to bring our whole selves and to bring actually our best possible selves
1: she says that women should really integrate their emotions into their work. And if we can find the best of both worlds, we're going to perform better. Our productivity is going to increase. We're going to encourage each other and do more. And that's what this is all about. I love the saying that it's not bragging if it's true. Yes, And it's funny how uncomfortable we get when we're listing our achievements because we feel like it's bragging, but it's really just
2: facts. That's the biggest hurdle. I think we got to make sure that we recognize that when you speak from pride, it hurts other people, right? But if you're speaking to your capability, you got to believe in yourself. That's something that I even struggle with.
1: I actually think that it takes practice, acknowledging your achievements out loud.
2: I love that because that's what the world wants us to think. Oh, you're just bragging. No, these are the achievements. Like, how many times do we talk about it, right? How some women don't want to call themselves doctors. That's not bragging. You worked hard for that. Be <laughs> recognized. You
1: earned that degree. Yes. I
3: believe very much in not letting other people's perception of what women should be or what I should be hold me back it is for me to define. And I'm constantly asking myself, what is that ideal self that I want to grow
2: into? For a long time, people would always say, Merari, what do you do? And I would always say HR. I never would give my title, ever. My husband always says, he's like, why don't you tell them what you do? I'm like, no, I don't want to feel like I'm bragging. And now that I say that I'm a vice president and this is what I'm doing, I get people saying, hey, stay humble, Miradi. I'm like, uh, you know, you can't win. You're like, so those are the This is
1: literally the facts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're not used to that. In our culture, that's not what we're told to do. And it's not till now that I realize. I need to say my accomplishments so that other women that are trying to get where I am today can see the possibility, can see the hope, and can see that it can be done.
3: I really have been victim to imposter syndrome at so many points in my life. And there was a time where I was so hard on myself, right? And I was my biggest critic. But a friend once asked me, Leanne, until you learn to love and respect yourself, How do you expect others to love and respect you? And wow, that really got me.
2: You have to be confident enough to know this is my mission to help other women. This is how I'm doing it. This is what I've been through. And stay vulnerable and speak the truth. Because otherwise, we could get distracted. I learned to love myself.
3: I learned to respect myself. I learned to celebrate my successes. And to be kinder to myself when I stumbled. And I learned to define success for myself and not let others define success for me. And there's this great kind of analogy that I use to help women get through what I call self-limiting beliefs. And these are the beliefs that hold them back. So some of these beliefs are things like, well, because I've made a mistake on this project, I am always going to fail at it. I'm never going to be good at this. And I am a failure. And we see them internalize this so much.
2: It's interesting because limiting beliefs can come in from anywhere and people can place them in your life without you even thinking about it.
1: Oh, yeah. And Leanne gives us language around that. She calls it... The ants The automatic negative thoughts. Thoughts and belief systems that
3: we immediately feel. I mean, so many of us can relate to that feeling. I'm not good enough. I am a failure. I am so weird compared to everybody else.
1: I love that she said that because that is what happens. It's literally like someone says something or you start to think something and then and automatic negative thoughts like kick in so fast.
3: But what I do is I help women to turn those ends into what I call pets, positive, empowering thoughts. Yes, we've made a mistake, but wow, the amount that we've learned from this. Yes, we're not feeling good enough, but hey, we've done all these amazing things in the past. We know that even if we didn't make it this time, We will make it if we keep trying.
1: If we can turn those automatic negative thoughts into positive empowering thoughts, the whole world opens up to us. And I mean, we can see in this episode that it is still a challenge for you and me to turn those automatic negative thoughts into pets. But we have to, and it takes work, and it's worth putting in the effort to change how you think and be kinder to yourself.
3: Because those ends are what weigh us down. Those ends are what
2: keeps us from reaching our goals. I was thinking from a leadership perspective and being able to empower somebody to be themselves, it starts with creating a safe space. And that even goes with friendships, especially with everything that's going on around us. How many of our friends even feel comfortable talking to us about anything that's going on in the world? About their emotions. Yes, or their emotions.
1: Just like it's not normal to talk about your accomplishments, it's still not very normalized to talk about your emotions.
3: We think of emotions as bad, but emotions drive us without passion we would not have been able to do She Loves Tech without bringing that kind of drive, which is based very much in emotions. I would not have been able to succeed or stand here today.
1: I don't know about you, but when those automatic negative thoughts come in, I just like swim in them for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's the key. We have to give ourselves grace and know that these things are going to happen. And it's okay, but we have to be able to also get out. We can't stay too long swimming in those thoughts. We got to be able to move along. Confidence in our talents, it's critical to making sure that we stop those limiting beliefs from freezing us in fear.
1: It reminds me of the idea of fight or flight. It's almost like there's a fear that can creep in as a result. When we want to just shrink back and stop, how do we then turn them into positive, empowering thoughts, even when we're afraid? I used to be really scared of just
3: asking. If I saw somebody that I really admired, I didn't feel like I was good enough to go and talk to that person. But what I realized was, you know what? Just ask what is the worst that can happen? The most he or she could say is no. And then actually I'm just in the same place as I started off. And I think when people stop seeing this as a cognitive or emotion and really see this as an integrated self, then they also start learning as well that this integrated whole is what can help with a lot of regulation. Because sometimes what we see is our emotions tend to take over. Our emotions, you know, hijack us. And then we respond in a way that's not ideal.
2: We respond in a way that we regret after that. We know what that feels like. It's hard to describe, but I'll take a stab at it. Like for me, I start shrinking. (laughs) I I stay quiet and I just automatically start having all these thoughts like, well, what did I say? Did I not say it right? Did I not communicate correctly?
1: I feel paralyzed. That's what I feel. So maybe your mind like goes in circles, but for me, I just stop. I think we don't
3: have enough of a vocabulary around emotions. Brene Brown did this fantastic study where she asked people to name emotions that they felt or that they could recognize in other people. The mean number of emotions that people could recognize was
2: three. Wow. How many other more emotions are out there, right? That we just don't recognize, but yet we don't even know what they are. People are afraid to show that they're sad, that they have anxiety, that they're tired, (laughs) that maybe they want to cry that day. We're not taught about
3: emotions. We're not taught this very humanistic approach, right? We're taught science. We're taught math. We're taught English. But we don't learn about emotional vocabulary. And because of that, we can't even name our emotions, let alone learn how to integrate them.
2: I was on a call and my son went to school and my daughter started virtual school and it was a rough morning because I had to work and I had to deal with all the craziness that virtual school comes with and it wasn't very easy and I was like oh I'm good now I already cried this morning (laughs) it was already stressful (laughs) and they were thanking me for being so honest and I was like well I literally did
1: yeah, you were modeling the way you were saying like, I cried and now I'm here to work. It's okay. Yes, I have emotions. That is a perfect way of integrating both sides.
3: It really comes to building that culture around inclusivity, around acceptance, and around authenticity. When you have emotional inclusion at the top, So when you have managers that are emotionally intelligent, it leads to burnout rates that are three times less. It leads to higher revenue. It leads to greater motivation. It leads to more meaning and purpose that then leads to less attrition in the company.
1: There would have been nothing wrong if you had said, I'm having a really rough day. Can we move this meeting? Or excuse me if I'm not myself, it was a rough morning. So it's not that you have to put it aside or be over it. It's about just bringing it to the table. When we talk about authenticity, that's
2: authentic and being real. And those are just not things that people talk about. But we have to, to show them that it is normal, that it's okay to go through those feelings because they're happening to us right now in the moment. And if as leaders, we can't show that we're vulnerable, it's going to be very hard for somebody else to feel that that's a safe space for them to tell us what they're going through.
3: So it really needs to start from the top. It needs to come with, firstly, building that culture around it. But even... If, let's say, at the top, you don't have that infrastructure, well, then it comes down to the teams. And it it really is that responsibility of the managers to create that culture in your team of being emotionally inclusive. And sometimes it's just having real conversations with them, understanding what they're struggling with understanding the different challenges that they have both at work but also in their personal lives and creating that safe space for people because when you have that safe space, then you allow people to grow into their best possible selves. You allow people to embrace
1: who they are and to utilize their strengths. One of the things that I've been saying to myself is that I know that when I show up, magic happens, and I don't have to do anything or be anything else. I just need to be there. And that's my positive, empowering thought. I forget it all the time, so please remind me. But that's my sentence. When I show up, magic happens, and that's all I have to do.
2: I love that. I don't have a sentence. I need to get me one. (laughs) (laughs) I love that sentence. I always think if I don't speak up, they may never hear the voice of another multicultural woman or...
1: It's almost like for you, if you don't show up, people don't
2: see themselves. Yes. Thank you. But I like your sentence better. That's a good one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a challenge to everybody
2: that's listening. What's that one thing that you could say to yourself to remind you?
1: It took a lot of thinking. Before I came up with that sentence, because I really believe that it has to be meaningful and personal to you for you to actually believe it. I literally looked at past successes that I had and I saw, what's the pattern? And it was funny to me because I just showed up. Like all these things happened because I was just there. And so that's how I got to like, oh, wow, all I had to do is walk in the door, pick up the phone, magic happens.
2: I really love the fact that you said you showed up. We have to show up. And once we show up, we're there. So let's take advantage of being there.
1: Even when we're scared, even when we have those automatic negative thoughts, we have to show up for ourselves because if we can't show up for ourselves, there's no way we can show up for others. It really isn't about you waiting for people
3: to open doors for you. You need to be proactive about this. And it applies to so many different things in our lives. Statistically, women do not ask for promotions enough. They don't ask for raises enough. They don't negotiate their salaries enough. And in the last week, I've seen so many amazing stories of women who just asked. And because of that, now two or three of my friends have been promoted. And quite a few of them have gotten pay raises because they asked. And if they didn't ask, guess what? They would not have gotten that. Open your own doors.
2: We have to take that action. And even, let's say, if other people open a door, somebody sponsors you, you have to still take action. And you have to still do the work. Because there was a reason why you were put there. We have the responsibility to open our own doors. But when other people open our doors, we also have the responsibility to take action. Activate. Activate, (laughs) yes. Activate our gifts to help other women.
3: One of the things that we have realized is that we cannot do this alone. Alone, we only have limited capacity. We only have limited resources. And the truth is that passion doesn't feed people. How do we create and sustain a business that was started by pure passion and pure drive to make a difference? That really has been the hardest thing for us to figure out.
2: Sometimes we feel that we may be all alone in this journey, but there may be other people who also believe in the same mission and I also believe that we're stronger together. If I can find other people who believe in the same vision that I do, oh my God, I can learn so much more from them. Or we could just learn so much from each other and be that much stronger together to bring that vision to life. Leanne said it beautifully.
3: We found amazing partners who believed in the same vision as what we believed and who shared those same values that were so important to us
2: values of diversity, values of inclusion, values of empowerment. She found partners that believe in the same vision and I think we need to do the same thing in our personal lives.
1: And that goes back to showing up. No one can partner with you if they don't know what you're passionate about or if they don't know what your vision is. When we talk about partners for Leanne, it's not just mm-hmm. like friends that are her cheerleaders she has huge corporations that are like we believe in what you're doing and we want to support you but she had to show up first at the end of the day I think it's important that we all recognize that imposter syndrome can creep in those automatic negative thoughts happen And if we can learn how to harness them and turn them into empowering thoughts, that really informs how we can show up in this world. I want to acknowledge Leanne. She showed up for us in this conversation. She shows up like that every day. And because of her work on herself, it really has helped her open her own doors. I want to challenge our listeners to practice recognizing those automatic negative thoughts practice turning them into positive, empowering thoughts so that you can show up and open your own doors. For more inspiring stories, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a guest you'd love to hear on the show, send us a DM on Instagram at colorforwardpod. I'm Elisa Monjadas, producer of Color Forward. Thanks for joining us and please leave us a review.